Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Texas Sports Nation. I'm Jonathan Alexander here with Brooks Cabina for another episode. Now, the Texans, they just keep finding ways to lose, Brooks. Latest loss to the Cowboys, one where they were leading after every quarter uh, until uh, the very end. And they had a chance. They were up 23 to 20 on the Cowboys. Dominating, not dominating, but, you know, they were the better team for most of the game. They get an interception at the Dallas four-yard line, have a chance to put them away with 537 left and come up empty on four straight plays, then allow the Cowboys to uh, run down 98 yards for a touchdown to win the game. It was probably one of the most, uh, had to be one of the most embarrassing losses of the season, given that they had it. And now here we are, the Texans are 1-11-1. and uh, What do you make of it, Brooks? If you're mentioning it as the one of the most embarrassing losses, I mean, it depends on what you categorize as embarrassing. I mean, we've seen games like them playing against Washington and Miami where they're down by multiple touchdowns at halftime and, um, you know, other games throughout this year where they've had a chance and squandered it too. I mean, this was, this is just a scenario where I thought Pep Hamilton played called his best game of the year so far, just given how he was able to use Jeff Jiskel and Davis Mills both to try and catch the Cowboys off guard. And really, when you think about this team, um, it's it's got such a talent disparity when it faces off against other teams that you kind of have to have a gimmick in some ways. I'm thinking back to how the Dolphins debuted the Wildcat back in the late 2000s with Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams and finding a way to get things going. Um, that's kind of what they did here with the Cowboys. And I mean, it's pretty clear that if they're trying to field their best team, it's going to be putting Driscoll on the active roster. He's maxed out his elevations on the practice squad. So if they were to add him again throughout the rest of the year, they'd have to make room on the roster, which it seems they did. Um, you know, Benjamin was waived Monday. So uh, now there's room on the roster, but to go back to the Cowboys game, if you can't score from four yards, then you don't deserve to win. I don't really have a problem, again, with Lovey Smith going for it there because if you can't score from there with the two-quarterback system that you have with Jeff Driscoll in the game, then what are you doing? And you all, furthermore, if you can't score there, the Cowboys also have to drive 98 yards, like you said, and if they can do that, you don't deserve to win. So in this case, Texans didn't deserve to win. They lost. And we were in the locker room. You saw them come through the tunnel. This is a team that's continuously becoming dejected with the losses that are coming up in the last four games here. 
I mean, if they're trying to find something to carry them into the offseason or have any faith in the team, the coaching staff, the system at all, um, it's it's hard to glean it from a loss. There are some nice things that they had there, uh, but now they've got the Chiefs coming to town, and we'll see how they hold up. A lot of players were really frustrated. I think this was probably the most frustrated I've ever seen players uh, be after the game, some on the record, some off the record. Um, you know, as far as like on the record goes, Philip Dorsett told me this was the maddest he's ever been after a game uh, because they had the game and then they gave it away. Uh, other players were fr- who, who, you know, didn't wish to be named uh, were, were upset because they thought that that was a touchdown at the end, you know, where Chris Moore reached out to the goal line. Levy Smith said that, that they thought they had a good look and it, he was down. But Greg made a good point on Twitter. Really, I don't think they had anything to lose by challenging that. You know, maybe, you know, the referees see something that that tells them that that's a touchdown. And even if it's a mistake, um, but you only lose a timeout in that instance. And I, I thought that challenging that play gives a boost of, of faith to your players that we're trying to win this. And then when you don't, you know, you give you give that up. So I thought that was a puzzling decision. By it Levy doesn't Smith. make sense much either. Whenever the next play after that Rex Burkhead got tackled for a two yard loss, they call their first time out of the game. So if they were concerned about spending their timeouts, uh, giving themselves more chances to stop the clock later on in the game, they might as well. Yeah. I mean, just from my view of that play, I don't think he was in. I think they've got a lot of people up in the booth monitoring, giving communication down to Lovey Smith, whether they feel like that's it. It must have been unanimous because even whenever you asked him about it on Monday, he's like, and you even asked him about whether they went to the NFL office to turn that play. And he said, what's the point? I think they were pretty unanimous in thinking about that. I don't think it really gives that much the team that much of a confidence boost by challenging it. I, I mean, they're on the one. You got two plays to get in from the one. If they're not energized to get in from the one, I don't think trying to challenge something is going to get it any better. They need to get it in. And uh, now with Rex Burkhead being one of the top running backs left, Damian Pierce, um, he's got an ankle injury, and we'll see how long that keeps him out. Uh, If that's their running game right now, um, this offense is going to have some problems going forward. Yeah, I mean, it certainly didn't do any good. Um, so that's why I said, I think, I think it would have, it would have said like, you know, it showed that he would have had faith in his players a little bit more. I, you know, I felt just, just listening to the players, it, it just felt like, you know, they were kind of dejected after he didn't, and maybe it was unanimous. Who knows? You know, we'll never know the true answer to that, but I, I didn't, I didn't think it would have hurt to, to challenge it. You know, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, stuff isn't even correct, but you challenge it just for to say like, Hey, you know, I have faith in my players. So that's that's where I get it from that standpoint. As far as Damian Pierce goes, yeah, he's he's the focal part of the offense. He's their best offensive player. And but, you know, the Texans have had to, you know, maneuver without um, you know, other their top players all season. Brandon Cooks and has been out multiple games now. Nico Collins has missed multiple games. It it is what it is. It's what happens in the NFL season, players get hurt, you adjust. If Damon Pierce misses one or two weeks or however long, uh, it is what it is. I mean, they've already <laughs> been eliminated from playoffs. It's a good time to evaluate other players now. Grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. Well, you've got to protect your rookie here. I mean, part of the reason this whole season going along this way and seeing him run, um, they've tried to get other running backs in the room to help spell him. And, you know, Benjamin's being released here is 
really interesting because, I mean, there were a lot of teams that wanted to put a claim on him. The Texans were able to get him with their number one slot on that waiver wire, brought him in, and it took three games to get him on the field. And then on that third game against the Browns, didn't get a touch. And then there um, on Sunday against the Cowboys, he had three carries for a yard. So was not very productive. And um, a lot of teams will see if he ends up on another roster and see how he starts running on his own. Marlon Mack, if you saw, he was with the Broncos getting some running in. So this is not a this is not an offense that seems to be enviable to be a part of. And it takes a while for these wide receivers, running backs, whoever gets added in to be a part of. So, the, I mean, just the interesting thing, We'll have a film study on this later. Just having an offense where you have to flip quarterbacks. Let's just discuss that for a second. That you have to have Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll interchange throughout the game in order to have some success out of it. That's not spelling success for the future, especially with the run game. I think one of the big things that I noticed here, I split the plays between Mills and Driscoll. When Mills was in the game, there were 12 rushes for 16 yards. 1.3 yards per carry. Damian Pierce had eight rushes for 14 yards. When Driscoll was in the game, 25 rushes, 98 yards. Pierce was his most effective, 14 carries for 64 yards and a touchdown. There was the element of surprise in the zone read with Driscoll that helped things get going along. But if you're not able to go in there with your starting quarterback, with a traditional quarterback, and be able to get anything on the run, I, I just, I don't see how things are going to be progressing towards the end of this year. Um, I don't know what confidence there is in that. Um, are they, is this going to be their long-term move to be rotating these guys? No, I don't, I don't think that's a long-term solution. Um, I mean, what we saw a little bit whenever they were struggling the run game again, I think young guys like Kenyon Green need a full offseason getting through the, whatever system it is they're going to run whatever training offseason that there is, just getting himself prepared again because the interior has been struggling. And uh, overall, the offense, I thought Mills played a lot better in the passing game, but overall, there, there's there's problems. And it's nothing new. It's not really dysfunctional to just continue to try and find things that work, and that's what Pep Hamilton's been doing. But if it doesn't produce wins, the only dysfunctional thing would be to let it, let it continue into 2023. I think the last team that ran a two-quarterback system was the Carolina Panthers last year when they were trying to figure out things between uh, P.J. Walker and Cam Newton when Cam Newton came, and it became clear that his his arm was not the same. Uh, this doesn't happen often. It, it does not work. Um, you can mess up the timing uh, with receivers because different quarterbacks throw different ways. They have, you know, um, they have different styles. You know, it didn't mess with the Texans, you know, this past week. Because I think they prepared for it well, but I don't. I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think that they'll continue to do it for the remaining four games. I think they will at some point probably pick and choose when they use Driscoll and and use Driscoll more on third and short situations. And I think they they should because he's effective. But the way they did it last game, you know, that's not sustainable. So um, yeah, they have to figure out ways to better run the ball. You know, when they have a traditional quarterback, you're right. You know, that's part of the NFL game. Uh, and it starts up front with your blocking in that interior, like you said, and Kenyon Green and, and A.J. Ken and Scott Quesenberry. I think, uh, you know, Laramie Tunsil and, and Titus Howard playing well on the outside, playing putting up really big numbers. That interior, that offensive line has to be a lot better. And, um, you know, I, you might not see that progression we're looking for until a new coaching staff is there. Because right now, it, it, 
the, the way things are trending, the way the losses have happened, it seems to be heading in that, in that direction. So for the Texans had to overcome, they, they made a few strides there against the Cowboys. They play the Chiefs on Sunday, a tougher team than the Cowboys, in my opinion. I think Chiefs could be in the Super Bowl. I don't know what they have to do to win this game because the Chiefs are definitely going to air that ball. So, yeah, but the offense has to figure out a way to get going. It has to be effective with running. If Damian Pierce is not there, maybe Dare figure out ways to get him rolling. So it's going to be tough, but I, in my opinion, I don't think these issues are going to be fixed until until the offseason rolls around. Well, the one thing that might work with the Texans in their favor, the Chiefs don't have an astounding running game, and the Texans, uh, that's been their big struggle for most of the season. They've tightened a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Um, if you look how the Texans played um, Dak Prescott on that final drive, um, they pressed their corners. They put two safeties deep, basically demanding Dak Prescott to make accurate throws in the mid-level zones. Um, if if they're able to stop the run with the Chiefs with just a standard front without bringing an extra safety or anybody into the box, which I expect they'll be able to do, then that's going to be a fun game to watch because that's, again, asking Mahomes to be accurate, which he can be. I, I do think the Chiefs win here, especially with the offense being uh, limited and possibly without Damian Pierce, which is really all of their offense at this point. It'll be another game where you're looking at Pep Hamilton play with very minimal options at his disposal. But it's interesting because two of the better offensive games by the Texans this year was the Raiders game where both Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks were out. And then on Sunday when both of those guys are out. Um, I don't know why that is other than maybe that forces him to come up with extra answers and therefore yielding a, a more complete game plan. Uh, I'm not sure. We'll see if those two wide receivers are anywhere close to getting back this week. Um, foot injuries can be tricky. Uh, Brandon Cooks has been out not just with being on the injury report. He was held out of a game after uh, not being traded that week. So we'll see whether he's able to get back in the mix by the end of the year. John, let's talk about the state of this running back group right now. I mean, you mentioned Dara Gumbawale. He's in there with Rex Burkhead. They've combined for just over 100 yards rushing this year. The disparity between running backs so far is so vast. Barring them adding another running back from the waiver wire, which we've seen how that can, can become a problem, I don't see how this offense adapts to what they have. We've seen them try and get yardage with Rex in the game. That was part of the reason why they went to Pierce so heavily. Is this a system where we see them keep going where dual quarterbacks? Or do we start to see them shift up into a more passing style? How do you approach not having Pierce at your disposal? Regardless of whether Pierce is there, I cannot see them going to a more passing style. Um, you know, they might use a dual quarterback to this game, but I think they're still going to try to run it. Um, you know, I, I don't think Rex Burkhead necessarily is the option. I think he's... Um, you know, okay on, on third down in, in the passing game. But I think Dari has shown he has a little bit more ability. I don't know if he can be the full-time back. But, uh, you know, I see a running back by committee type approach. I see them using a little bit of Dari, um, Rex, and, and whoever else they'll have suited up on Sunday. I just can't see them using more, being more of a passing game because that's what's got them in trouble. Um, the turnovers and the decision-making, the more they have to rely on Davis Mills and, Dr and Jeff Driscoll, the, the more chances they'll have at possibly forcing the ball and, and coming up with turnovers. And turnovers have been 
what have doomed the Texans offense this season. So, you know, I, I think you, you're still going to see them try to stick and commit to the running game no matter what. And then Davis Mills probably throw 25 times in this game unless they're just down significantly uh, in the first quarter or in the first half. So we'll see. Do you have a different opinion? Do you agree? Um, I mean, in the sense of the defense this this week, no. I mean, you got to try a few different things. We, we've saw Davis Mills attack in the short game a bit. I think Chris Moore has come on a lot. Um, we started seeing a little bit different routes that the Texans were using across the um, the game. You mentioned the touchdown that uh, wasn't the one that they didn't review. That actually was kind of the underneath motion uh, after a snap that a lot of teams have gotten against the Texans this year. That's the first time I've seen the Texans really run that themselves in any red zone scenario. I do think they've started to open themselves up more in the short passing game. And we've started to see them use four tight ends. They, that was more of a requirement because Troy Hairston was out with a rib injury. And we'll see if he's able to come back this week. And that could have a lot to do with whether they're able to run the ball or not. But just getting the tight ends involved, we, we saw uh, Brevin Jordan get back into the mix. I expect that if they can't get something going with the run game, um, I mean, the the alternative is if you can get the same amount of yardage just by um, incorporating the screen passes, incorporating the short passes. We saw a little bit of that on Sunday. That's probably the adaptation that I'd expect. You know, in the last stretch of games here, if you're looking for meaningful quality football uh, that um, you can start to glean on the decisions that will be made in the offseason, There are 17 players whose contracts are expiring at the end of this year. That's where a lot of these players are going to draw uh, their effort from. You know, Lovey Smith and Pep Hamilton are both up in the air, too. I mean, I've had conversations um, with uh, people about the future, whether it comes to players uh, re-signing, whether it's extensions. And, um, you know, Nick Casario did that a bit last year, but you're not seeing that as much uh, towards the back end of this year. a lot because uh, if you're going to do that, that has to do with uh, uh, whether they're pl- the players are going to be a part of the scheme or uh, what what um, coaching staff's there. So that's another thing to be monitoring is how many players are signed to extensions by the end of this year. That could allow you to see some signal as to what the future is right now. You know, the defense playing better, Jonathan, getting a chance to, to win the game against the Cowboys. I mean, there were three turnovers, two co- caused by the defense that resulted in 17 points. Do those kinds of performances make it more stable to the point where Lovey Smith is gaining more job security as the season goes on? No, I don't think so because uh, Lovey Smith is, is responsible for the totality regardless. So he, he can't divvy up off. I mean, he can, he can easily, you know, blame what the offense is done, but when you look at their other, the other losses and, and the defense had a large part to do. Lovey Smith has been the defensive coordinator, has been the defensive play caller for the past two years. No, I, I really think it's, you know, if Nick Casario was to part ways with uh, Lovey Smith at the end of the season, I, I don't think too many people would, would argue, um, you know, that case because the the proof out there, 111 and 1, you know, doesn't keep your job too often. So, you look at the run defense, and and they've had the worst run defense in more than a decade. I think you look at you know some of these games, like the Dolphins game, that was a really bad game to to be down thirty to zero. Um, you know, I know the offense helped them in that regards too. 
they're just games that you can just point to where it just was not good. They were not in it. These last two games have been better, but I don't know how much you can look at these last two games and point to and say, hey, that's a future dominating defense. I think that more probably could have been done. And I think that Cal McNair and, and Nick Casario will, whoever makes that decision, most likely Nick Casario will probably evaluate that particular aspect of it. Yeah, I guess we'll see towards the back end of this year. If this uh, defense continues to play well, that's that's going to be part of this. Uh, you know, it's the, the if they're able to scratch off a couple of wins here towards the end of the year. And if you see rookie progression, um, that's another thing. But um, like we talked about last week, the biggest problem in this entire thing is the offense. And if Nick Casario, if Lovey Smith, so if they have to decide okay, where is that quality offense going to come from? Is it going to be retaining Pep Hamilton at this point? I think that answer is no. Okay, if that's the case, then are the Texans able going to sign a play caller at an offensive coordinator level, or is it going to be something that demands an entire overhaul? Get a head coach quality offensive play caller, who then you can sell the number one overall pick to, a a big budget to help go and pursue uh, free agents. Or um, do you entrust Lovey Smith to help hire another offensive coordinator? And uh, he advocated to bring Pep Hamilton in the building. Uh, who else is in his Rolodex that he could bring in to possibly stimulate this offense? Or is that something that Nick Casario takes more control of? So um, in my opinion, the offense is going to dictate the, the direction of this staff. And uh, it, it did that last year. Um, whenever Tim Kelly was fired, David Culley was fired too. And um, then they tried to figure out things going forward with the staff that they had. And they were interviewing a lot of offensive oriented coaches. I mean, I know there were defensive coaches on the staff, but they almost went with Josh McCown and that would have been a more an offensive style. So um, however, they're able to address that in the off season. Um, I think that's going to dictate whether a uh, Lovey Smith is retained or not. Yeah. I, I might've felt a little bit differently if they had stopped that Prescott on that last drive um, and not allowed the 98 yards, but Ah, and maybe I wouldn't have felt differently. Maybe I wouldn't have felt differently. Maybe I would have felt the same, to be honest. But I mean, the offense was there at the four. They couldn't get it in. Yeah. I, I mean, the defense had just turned the ball over at at the four. Yeah. So how many times are you going to give the offense a chance to beat you? How many chances? How many chances are you going to give Dak Prescott to drive the field and beat you? I mean, that's a team that's going to do it every now and yeah. then. Yeah. I mean, overall, I I just don't I don't think giving up that drive ultimately decides for me whether the defense had a, a better game or not. Yeah. I mean, they Dak made the throw. Yeah. But like, I guess what I'm saying is like in crunch time, like you still have to make those stops, making that stop. It probably still wouldn't outweigh my thoughts. I think what's happened the first 12 games of the season have far outweighed what could have, what improvements they could have made these last two games. I think the product on the field defensively and offensively, which Levy oversees, has just been bad. It, it has built any momentum. I think the, they still. I think that the management will still continue to see the losses and how the losses have come about, and that ultimately falls on Levy's shoulders. Yeah, I, I disagree because I think there's definitely been defensive momentum in the last three weeks. I think that's pretty clear. You see it def- definitely on the front seven. Um, they've reproved mightily against the run. They got some stops there. They had a goal line stand. They keep getting into the backfield. Obo Okoronkwo is playing lights out. I mean, the guy is getting into the backfield. He he forced 
a sack, then a sack fumble. I mean, the secondary has been playing well, even whenever their injured cornerbacks are out. Steven Nelson went out on Sunday. Traymond Smith got two interceptions. Jalen Petrie's playing better. I think there's definitely defensive momentum, and that's why I think that this mostly leads into what the offense is doing. So, I mean, the Chiefs game is one of those that's going to be another revealer. I mean, the Cowboys, that was kind of the deal. It's like, okay, well, they stopped Deshaun Watson, forced him to a pretty his worst quarterback rating game of his career. Would that continue against the Cowboys? It did. So if Mahomes dices them up, we'll see. You know, there are four more games here, and I think there's definitely defensive momentum. What from the defense have you seen that shows regression? I, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say show regression. I just said the whole product over the course of the season, what they've done in the first 12 games outweighs the, the improvements that they've made in the last two games. They've made improvements in the last two games, but they haven't made enough improvements for me to say, yeah, we got to keep we got to keep Levy Smith. They would probably have to win at least two games and win it defensively, and and they would have to continue the trend of of playing good defensive football. But I'm not confident that that's going to happen. I think I think they played uh, a bad Browns team well. I think they played their one of their better games against the Cowboys. But that last drive was indicative of uh, of the, the kind of issues that they have they've had all season. And I, I think that it'll continue over the last four games. So I don't think they've regressed. I think they've gotten better, but I don't think they've gotten better enough to uh, warrant saying, oh, maybe we change our minds on, on having Lovey Smith. And I, I just think a lot there are a lot more factors involved with Lovey Smith's job because I think he's the overseer. Again, the totality of all the games outweigh the little progression that they've made. Two parts of the offense and defensive evaluation because obviously this – Roster is not talented enough to win on a consistent basis. The defensive side, the way Lovey Smith likes to play football is to have as many one-on-one matchups and then to win those matchups. And when you look at the defense, the defensive line, for the most part across the season, was not able to do that. We're starting to see that more recently. And the cornerbacks and safeties, they've started to get better at that. Christian Harris getting in and he's getting in. He's starting to win his one-on-ones. Is that a situation where you're confident enough that if you go into an offseason and add more bad dudes to the defensive line, linebacker core, that you have confidence that that system's going to work? You look at the offensive side, you can say the same thing, right? So limited wide receiver depth, limited running back depth, bad quarterback play. Is that another scenario where say, okay, if Pep gets more players, if he gets more bad dudes, is there going to be better progression there? When you look at the two different spots of the season, I've seen more from the defense that shows, okay, if I add better players to this, this could work. When you look at the offense, you're like, the best success you've had is whenever you switched in a practice squad quarterback. So is either great right now to require an overhaul? Um, you know, you could make that argument, but I think the more that those defensive progressions are showing, like you could have more confidence that Casario could have knowing that he's got a lot of capital in the offseason to say, because I think he has a lot of uh, similar philosophy with Lovey Smith in terms of how they play defense. Um, then we'll see. So um, I don't know. Uh, I, it could be a scenario where um, the Patriots ran a lot of three, four. Um, that, that may be some style that, you know, uh, I, I remember Nick Casario talking about how they have a back and forth with Lovey, the way that they, um, have different views sometimes. So maybe he wants to go back to a different style. Um, we think of coaches that are out there that are defensive minded that are in that as well. 
Um, you know, it's it's uh, maybe something like D'Amico Ryans runs that kind of defense. Maybe they have that kind of in mind. So um, that's that's more what I mean on those all evaluations at that point. And I think that that plays a lot into what decision they'll make, too. Yeah. Well, all right. I think that's what we have for you guys today. Thanks for listening as always, the Texas Sports Nation. Please check back with us for another episode next week. And if you want to read more of our content on HoustonChronicle.com, please subscribe and read our content at HoustonChronicle.com slash sports. Until next week.